Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. And when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in 20 minutes, and today is Clark Rageous Moment. There's a big fat lie being peddled right now about something I can't stand, annuities. I need to tell you what to be on your guard for. And a half hour from now, there is a new way that you're being kept away from scammers on your cell phone. I want to tell you how it works. I want you to use it because so many of the scams now are coming by your phone. Twice recently, things have come up about what goes on in our nation's prison system. And you might wonder, why would that be on our show? But there are a number of consumer angles involving the prisons. And I mentioned something in passing the second time prisons came up, and somebody stopped me to talk to me about it. It really touched them and asked me more about it. And it was clear I, because I only talked about it in passing, I didn't adequately explain why this is so important for your and my wallet. First of all, being the victim of a crime is awful. And I've been a crime victim a number of times in my life. And there are some really bad people out there. There are a lot of people out there who have done bad things, do the time, and have learned from it and want to lead a new life. So you got the bad people that are just, they're just bad. And then you have people who've done a bad thing and may have matured or whatever, and they're ready to lead a different life. But then... The percent that go back into prison today is more than 70% by some measures. So even if there are people who would like to do better, they fall back into a life of crime. And it's my belief that a lot of people who would like to do something different with their lives, they lack the tools, they lack the ability, they lack the education or skills. I have had the privilege of being around a program called Operation New Hope, which is a program that operates in various places in the state of Florida. And upon release from prison, takes in people who've been convicted of nonviolent crimes. There There are programs for people on release that work with any prisoner, but Operation New Hope specializes in creating employment readiness for people who've not committed a crime, uh, violent crime, overwhelmingly they're people who've had some kind of drug problem. And so when they're released from prison, they go into an Operation New Hope Center and they receive counseling, job skills, and ultimately an extremely high placement rate in jobs 
with a tiny recidivism. Now, there are people who are going to fail, and they're going to go back to prison. But when I've talked to anybody involved in prisons, I've talked to wardens, when you talk to guards, it is such a frustration of theirs that these people so often will end up back as residents of the prison system. And we got to break that. And I believe that it's broken with, because I have such, you know how we all approach things from our own prism. You hear me, how often do you hear me say the answer to something is new skills, new education? It's just, it's, it's wired into me. And maybe that's not right every time, but it's wired into me. And I believe that's what we need to be doing with our prisoners while they're in prison. If they demonstrate a desire to improve themselves, we also need to give them hope for a path for the future. And I believe it's much cheaper for us as taxpayers because you look at state budgets, it's shocking how much money states spend on their prison systems. And so if we can educate people, and like Operation New Hope does, have some counseling component because of uh, mental issues or uh, psychological problems that need to be addressed for somebody to progress, I believe it will save us enormous amounts of money as taxpayers and will make us safer as we reduce the number of repeat criminals. Just my thought. Darla is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Darla. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. So you are in the clutches of one of those contract gems? Yes, I am. Yuck. (laughs) How long have you been a member? I have been a member there since 2011. Okay, and did you sign a multi-year contract, or have you renewed year to year, or how does it work with the gym membership you're in? The way that it worked is that I just signed up, and as long as I was paying my um, monthly membership dues, then I remained a member until I went in and decided to end my contract. It was the way that I understood (laughs) that it worked. Okay. And basically what happened was is when I joined, I joined in the toward the end of a billing cycle. They said, "Oh, we will prorate the month so that you can begin using the facility." So I thought that sounded reasonable, and then that my billing cycle would begin uh, the first of each month. So I thought that was reasonable at the time. Now fast forward to present day. And um, I go into the health club to end my um, membership mid-billing cycle. But they're telling me, oh, no, we can't end it now. We, you have to wait. You'll be charged one more billing cycle. So that just doesn't quite seem like good business practice. And, and it is done by so many industries. This has been a beef about the cell phone industry that when you start a line of cell phone service with a cell phone provider, 
they do the prorating just like you talked about, and then you go into a monthly billing cycle, and then whenever you choose to leave them and go somewhere else, their contracts also require you and their terms of service that if you end, let's say, on the 8th of the month and your billing period ends on the 26th, your bill doesn't stop on the 8th, it stops on the 26th. It is just one of those things in life that's in the category of life's not fair. <laughs> well, but that, you've, got more to my... do, you've got more to do, though. Okay. Are you giving this health club access to your checking account, or are they billing you to a credit card? Okay. Well, this is kind of the funny part. Is they, I was using a credit card, and what I did, it, well, it expired at the end of January. So now they don't have my current information, my current card. So that's kind of a question I have. Do I go ahead and pay them? And then, um, because I don't want this to like ruin my credit. Yeah, and, and it's not worth it. So exactly. you do want to give them the updated credit card information. Okay, so you, go ahead and do that. And okay. you want to give them the termination of your contract as required in the contract. Okay. So you can't just say, hey, I want to quit the club. There will mm-hmm. normally be some kind of form you have to turn in. You may have to print it from their website. There will be a set procedure. And based on the experience we've had with the health clubs claiming that people did not terminate, mm-hmm. you need to do it in some way there's proof that you actually have terminated your membership. Okay. So, and I do have that. I did go in. And oh, I- great. Great. So I've done that piece. But pay them um, the money for the month. Okay. It's not worth it. And are you going to work out somewhere else now, or what's your plan as you move forward? Yes, I am. And I am looking at a place that's affiliated with the hospital. Ah, uh, you smart woman. You took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. How did you know I was going to talk about hospital-based fitness centers? I did not know. Wow. Well, okay, so I'm going to share what you're doing and how brilliant you are to do this. So as we've had this thing with the big medical centers popping up around the country, a lot of the medical centers set up these fantastic fitness facilities as a way to attract doctors that bring in a lot of billings. And they give the doctors these fitness facilities the access to these fitness facilities as part of being on staff at the particular medical center. Well, they end up with these facilities that are woefully underused. And as a result, a lot of the medical centers will sell you, as a member of the public, monthly memberships that are month-to-month, non-contract kind of memberships, where you get to use these uncrowded, absolutely state-of-the-art facilities attached to a medical center and they tend to be great deals as a place for you to work out the big medical centers tend not to really promote that they have these fitness facilities but i'll tell you they're one of the great secrets of a great place to work out and they are very widely available if you can find out about one at a medical center so very smart thing darla other places I love for people to look at working out 
at YMCA's, Jewish community centers, any form of nonprofit or non-contract fitness center. The, all the complaints we get, all the complaints we get, are about the contract-based fitness centers. Stay away from them. They are not interested in your health. They are only interested in your wallet. Brian's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brian. How are you? Great. Thank you, Brian. You have a question for me. I have been waiting for someone to ask me your question. I just wonder why you have T-Mobile when you talk about cheaper cell phone carriers. Okay. So that is a great question because... We've got Republic Wireless, which is probably the best cell phone deal in America. And do you use Republic, or who do you use these days? I have T-Mobile. Okay. So why do I use T-Mobile? I have 10 lines on my plan. Okay. So with T-Mobile, once you get past the second person, each additional person works out to be roughly $10 a month. Okay. So T-Mobile is a good deal to start with and for me i travel internationally a lot and so to be able to use it for free outside the united states Uh has been a great money savings for me and you know what it's done for me i don't get lost anymore oh that's good because i can use the mapping capabilities in my phone and so I can travel around a strange city where all the language and even the alphabet, I was using it in Saigon, Vietnam in the fall. Yeah. And people always get lost in Saigon, except for me. I was able to find my way around without any trouble at all. So T-Mobile has been a great experience. And even though I'm into the cheapest thing, for me, with so many lines on my plan, it's cheaper for me than Republic Wireless would be. It's time for today's Clark Rageous Moment. That's when I tell you about how somebody might try to trick you, take advantage of you, rip you off. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. I don't like it when somebody raises my blood pressure. I just don't. I'm always worried I'm borderline anyway on blood pressure, so don't do this. I get so many people coming up to me who are hearing the pitch for indexed annuities, sometimes for fixed annuities, and they've heard the pitch from the life insurance salesperson telling them why these things are so great, and here's the thing that's a consistent thing, and there's no fees for them. Really? The reality is, When you buy an annuity, the fees may be hidden, but they are gigantic. And as for this pitch about indexed annuities, which is so in right now because the insurance agents make such phenomenally high commissions, know that they are a very scary product for you to own. The tax treatment under most circumstances is terrible. Much worse than being in the kind of low-cost choices I recommend. Second, what you're promised is that you're going to earn the upside of the stock market without having to worry about the downside. That's not how it plays. 
See, they give you a small percent of the gain in good years. And so in the bad years, supposedly, you can't lose any money. But you only don't lose money if you meet all the rules and requirements in a typically 70-page or longer contract. The idea that with an index annuity or a fixed annuity that you're not paying fees is a horrible lie for terrible products, and I have trouble seeing any situation for anybody where ever owning either of these makes any sense for your wallet. Know that the only person these products make sense for is the insurance salesperson that sells them to you. It's your future. Don't waste your money. You know, when it comes to eating, and yeah, we all know a lot about eating, everybody's trying to get healthier these days. But despite what you see on the labels, not all the ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference in your food. So it's important to know where your food is actually coming from. That's where Blue Apron comes into play. You see, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, just like you and me. Here's how they do it. For less than $10 per person per meal, you can be enjoying delicious home-cooked meals like spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salada, sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice, parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli, or baby broccoli and fontina paninis with hard-boiled egg and arugula salad. It goes on and on and on. Blue Apron gives you a variety of new recipes each week to choose from, or you can just let their team surprise you. No recipes are ever repeated within a year, so you're never going to get bored with the same old, same old. And you can customize your recipes each week, too, based on your preferences. They even have several special delivery options, so you can fit your special dietary needs. Plus, there's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. It's easy to do. You're like a top chef. And you don't even have to know what you're doing. And Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery will arrive ready to cook or they will make it right. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping, too, by going to blueapron.com save. That's blueapron.com save. You'll love how good it feels and how good it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait on this. That's blueapron.com save. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. I'm glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. Don't let anybody ever rip you off. Our bargain site, ClarkDeals.com. It's a deal, I promise, because we give you all kinds of information about money-saving deals, and it's free. I want to tell you about something that's free from T-Mobile that I didn't even know was there. I'm a T-Mobile customer, and I started noticing when a call would come in on caller ID, if T-Mobile had identified the number as being one from a scam operation, it pops up with an alert letting me know. It even gives me the option... When they've identified a number as being a fraudster, 
that it just blocks the call from any number that they have determined will be a likely scam. So that's really sticking yourself out on a limb because the word scam is something that means somebody is committing potentially a criminal act. But T-Mobile is willing to do that for its customers, and that's great. Remember my rule, though, if I don't recognize a number, I don't answer the call anyway. But what the criminals are doing is they're generating a caller ID that will have the name of a big company with a toll-free number supposedly attached to it. What T-Mobile's doing is a game of whack-a-mole. They find out that a number is a source of scam calls and not really from the big company that's showing up on the caller ID, and then they can send you those alerts or if you choose block it. And what if you're not T-Mobile? There's an app you can download to an iPhone or an Android that does a great job blocking trouble calls. It's called Hiya. H-I-Y-A. And if you go to the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store, and look for Hiya, let me repeat, H-I-Y-A, you can download it if you're not a T-Mobile customer. Or you can download it if you are a T-Mobile customer. You don't need it with T-Mobile doing the service they're doing. And for free, they will help you avoid those calls. And that's really neat that they do it. It's wonderful as well that T-Mobile is doing it. But remember the rule. Whether it's your home phone, your office phone, your cell phone, if a call comes in and you do not recognize it, don't answer it. Now, I know people in sales have to answer their phones, even if they don't recognize a call. But as has come up so much recently, if somebody starts trying to engage you in conversation, do not answer yes to whatever they ask you initially before you know who you're talking to. Because scammers are recording that yes and then using it as a way to try to validate a whole different question Do you want to subscribe to this, that, or the other? Do you want to buy this, that, or the other? And then they play for your credit card company. Well, here, he or she was accepting it. And to the absolute shame of the banking system, a lot of banks are saying, well, there it is on tape. So we're not going to reverse the charge. We're not going to... Let your chargeback stand. So the word yes, before you know who you're talking to, needs to be excised from your vocabulary. Bob is here with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bob. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Bob, you got a question about your daughter. Let me see if I can serve you. Well, she's going to be a freshman in college in the fall, and I'd like advice on figuring a way to fund her instead of using cash or checks, the best way to make uh, money available to her. Well, the easiest of all that I've ever seen is opening an account for her at Charles Schwab. I don't know if you are an investor at all, 
But if you have an investment account at Charles Schwab, they have a setup where you can open an investment account for a child or a young adult, and you can instantly provide money to your daughter online. You can sign into your Schwab account, give money over to her account at no cost to you or to her. The accounts are free, and she has instant availability of funds. And the money can be uh, can be used either by her writing a check at her end, going to an ATM where you're, she's allowed unlimited free ATM withdrawals, or using the card that Schwab issues as one of those piece of trash Visa cards where she can use it to buy stuff anywhere that Visa is accepted. Is this a good time to also set up a credit freeze for her? Yeah, well, I'm such a fan of credit freeze anyway that it's so good to protect her that way. Is there going to be any application for credit coming for student loans or anything like that for her? Uh, There won't be. I was thinking about getting a credit card for her, but I'm not sure. Okay, so yeah, credit freeze would be great for her. She's 18, 19, right in there? Yeah, she just turned 18. 18, so she's of legal age now to do an online credit freeze, and it would be very useful for protecting her identity moving forward. College students are uh, at enhanced risk of having their identity stolen because they tend to move a lot and mail doesn't follow them well. I remember when I was in uh, undergraduate and graduate school, I moved nine times in less than five years. And so the risk is that mail is always trailing and can easily be intercepted and become part of a crime of opportunity of establishing identity theft. Now, going back, though, Bob, does Schwab work as a possibility for you, or you want me to go a different path with an idea for you? I hadn't thought of that. I'm not sure about the checker ATM part of it. The the Visa card from Schwab and funding that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it works very, very well. The whole design is to get you to open an investment account there, and then as a convenience that comes for free with it, is that you would open the account for your college-age daughter. Now, if that's a bridge too far and more than you want to do, look at Bluebird.com. Bluebird is a service of American Express and is an ideal kind of account for you to have for your daughter that you can fund, in theory, at will with a fair amount of ease. So you can open a Bluebird account. She she can have a Bluebird account without you having any prior relationship with American Express whatsoever. That's great. So the Bluebird, you have to work at making a Bluebird account cost anything. <laughs> and I like that, that instead of American Express saying, getting up each day and saying, how are we going to rip people off with this account? It is the second best alternative I know of for funding money for an adult child in college away from home after the Charles Schwab account. Vicki's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Vicki. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Vicki. How can I serve you? Well, I'm glad to be invited on this show to be able to get your valued opinion. There is 
a house flipping company out of Texas, million dollar house flipping company, who purports to teach you how to house flip. And from what I'm seeing and reading and hearing, it's more about selling and not teaching, just to make money, for them to make money. Yeah. Uh, they give you the first seminar free. The second seminar, I believe, is like $1,500. And from there, they want you to go on the VIP bus tours, which are thousands of dollars. Yep. Um, and I, I So who's getting rich from the idea of buying distressed properties and supposedly flipping them? Exactly, the company. All right. Now, I will tell you, going all the way back through the whole real estate bus, the height of the real estate bus forward, mm-hmm. I have never been a fan of flipping, but I have been a fan of buying properties distressed and holding them. And the real estate market has has healed in a number of cities, is far along healing in a number of others, but there are still some places where things are still terrible, but what was not a heavy lift, let's say seven years ago, six years ago, and probably up to five years ago, to make money in real estate, buying properties, especially if you have cash, has become a much more difficult endeavor outside of cities that are still in great distress, like Atlanta and Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the whole idea that we've got this formula and we're going to teach you and we're going to mentor you and you go exactly. around with us and we're going to help you find these places. Let me tell you my belief on this, Vicki. If there was that much money to be made on buying distressed properties and flipping them and these people are the experts, why do they need you? Exactly. They well, would they easily they have so many properties that they need people to help them. Baloney! I almost <laughs> said a really bad word. <laughs> I, I'm really careful with my language, and I almost said something not for a family-rated show. It, it's that's not true. You know, there are a number of uh, large private capital organizations that, at the bottom of the real estate bust went out and bought billions of dollars, billions of dollars of distressed properties mm-hmm. and have, instead of flipping them, have turned them into investment properties, rentals, whatever, and ultimately they'll cull the herd and they'll sell off those properties if markets recover. But that is absolutely not true. And in an era where investors have a hard time finding places to invest their money to get any return, there was somebody with a great system to identify distressed properties, buy them and either hold them or flip them. The money is available in the marketplace readily to fund purchases of endless numbers of property. So I'm very skeptical of anybody who says, hey, come learn our system. We're going to turn you into a quadzillionaire. I, I just don't buy it. I don't believe it. And I wouldn't waste my money on it. Mo is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mo. How are you today? Hi, Clark. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you. Well, great having you here. Feels like a good day to swim, huh? It is. It is. I live in in suburbs of Orlando, Florida. And I bought a beautiful home, a uh, six-bedroom, four-full bath. And it's 3,450 square feet. 
But the problem is we don't have a pool. Well, isn't that against the law in Orlando to not have a pool? I know. <laughs> so the kids are harassing me to install a pool. So I get going and tried to get some coats, and they are all, you know, 50,000 plus to get a decent pool. So I figured Ooh. I would give you a call and see what would be the, uh, what would be the cheapest way to, to install a pool or, or maybe, or do I need to pack and, and move and get another house? Well, I can't believe you said that because you must have heard me talk about this before because you pulled the words right out of my mouth. Believe it or not, this is the weird, crazy thing about a pool, Mo. Mo. You spend the $50,000, let us say, and do you know that may actually, when you go to sell your home, may lower the price that you sell your home at instead wow. of keeping it the same or raising the price of your home. And the reason is, in the home buying universe, there are so many buyers who don't want to deal with having a swimming pool mm-hmm. that it eliminates a house with a pool from consideration. So a pool is not for resale value. A pool is for your enjoyment, or in the case of your house, for your kids' enjoyment. And so it's you have to think of it as spending money not as something you do to invest in your home. It's an it's a spending for lifestyle rather than an investment in the value of your home and property. I see, I see. Well, that's that's great advice. So, if you do decide to put one in, the thing is you got to be so careful with pool vendors. They they are a high risk kind of thing. And they tend to be an unstable industry. So you don't want to front load a lot of money. You want to pay a a pool company in little increments over the time of the job and don't allow a large sum of the money to be, let's say, when you're half done with the pool, the contractor already has 80% of the money. And so the contracts generally they present at a lot of pool companies do front load, and that's ultra risky for you. Wow. Wow, very good advice. Now, I have another question, if you don't mind, real quick. You talk a lot about the, uh, the car rentals. Have you tried the, the, uh, the company called Turo, T-U-R-O? Yes, for, for, yes. For, for, I have not tried them myself, but... I talked about them a lot under their prior name, which was Relay Rides, I think. And then they yeah. changed the name. And it's a very interesting concept. You, when you're taking a trip, you make your vehicle available as a rental to other people. So instead of you paying to park it at the airport, somebody's paying you to use your car while you're gone. And in turn, when you travel somewhere, you use their car. It's like an Airbnb for car rentals. Yeah. What do you think of them? Well, it's never really caught on in a big way. And my initial concern was about liability, if somebody were to wreck your car. But it seems that Turo has addressed that. And your own automobile insurer may not like you doing it. But Turo is stepping in with coverage for you in the event there is an accident by somebody who is renting your car. It has more risk than the Airbnb, 
because the potential damage someone can cause to other people, like physically to somebody in an accident. And that's where the big risk lies. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. When you have questions for me, clark.com slash ask. Coming up in a half hour, We're moving into the wedding season. Many brides are rebelling. We're going to talk about ways that people are approaching weddings to make them so much less expensive. I want to talk right now about something that is not being addressed in our nation. In the midst of arguing about priorities with the budget and what we'll spend money on and what we won't and what we're going to spend on defense, what we're going to take from this and that and the other, what's not being discussed is that the real issue facing us and the one that can break America's position in the world, break our position in the world, is what we're spending on Social Security and Medicare and The money we're spending, we're not paying for. And our federal budget deficit that is such an issue already is likely to double as a percent of national wealth. Today, we spend roughly, our national debt is roughly 75% of our nation's output of goods and services. And if we don't get it together, in a few decades, it'll be double that, 150%. That's when we become a banana republic. That's when we become a third world country. And the politicians won't talk about it because they're, what's the first job of every politician? To get reelected. And it doesn't seem to matter If they're a Republican or a Democrat, they will not address the reality that if we as a nation don't grow up and have an adult conversation, we become a 98-pound weakling in the world. We're still at a point where we can fix it, but we need to actually discuss it. And as Americans, we need to decide together in a mature way, 
not in a soundbite way, that we either will pay more tax because we want these benefits or that we will pay less tax and receive less benefits. But what we're doing right now, you look at the numbers, we can't grow our way out of it, we can't win some world lottery ticket and solve the Americans' financial issues. We've got to decide as a nation where we take a pledge to ourselves and to what this great nation has stood for that we are going to do what's right for future generations and for America's position in the world. There really is no other way to talk about it. All the talk about how we're going to cut fraud and waste and abuse out of the federal budget. Do you know it is insignificant? It would be great if we didn't have any fraud, waste, or abuse. But you got to know Medicare and Social Security account for the overwhelming amount of money spent by the federal government. Everything else is just almost like a footnote. We got to decide. We got to face facts. We got to face the truth. I love this country. And I want America to remain in its preeminent position in the world long after I'm gone. And so, what is it you want? Do you want your candy now and people later have nothing? Or do we take on the responsibility? And do this right. Andy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Andy. Hello, Clark. Thank you for taking my phone call. My pleasure. You're trying to make sure your kids are financially ship-shaped. What are you thinking of doing? Well, um, I have actually already done it. Um, I have three children, and uh, all married in their 30s. And I have gone ahead and set up a Roth IRA for each of them that I'm funding with $100 a month. And um, after I set this up, I got to wondering, uh, is there anything, any chance of anything that might uh, bite us in the backside down the road, either my children or myself? No, as long as they're working and they're eligible to do a retirement account, you are allowed to give any individual up to $14,000 per year without okay. any interference from the government. So you putting in $1,200 a year for each of your kids, you're way below that, and you're doing something really neat for your adult children by helping them build up money for long down the road in retirement. So it's great all the way around. Are you requiring any incentive payments from your adult children? Do they have to match what you put in or anything like that? No, not at this point. Okay. Uh, I just think back 30, 35 years ago when I was their age, um, we weren't able to uh, start anything at that point. And, you know, it was a matter of, well, you know, if I could do $25 a month or something, you know, but we never had anything set up. And so I figured, well, now they've got it set up. So if they can add to it, 
um, at some point now or in the future. That's just uh, extra for them, and hopefully it will give them that opportunity. Well, they, they are really lucky to have you as a dad that you're doing this, and you're doing something that has no downside to it at all. One thing you do need to know, though, because they're in their 30s, if one of your adult children decides that they want to spend that money and not wait yeah. until retirement, you cannot stop them from doing that. Yes, I, I do realize that. But and, uh, other than that, there's, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I can't think of any downside whatsoever. You know, it's wonderful to give money while you can see the benefit of it instead of at the time that you pass away. And you're giving all these additional years for that money to grow on their behalf tax-free. And that's just good stuff. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon, Clark. How are you doing? Great. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm having a very good day. Thank you. You're getting married. Yes, I am. I'm getting married uh, probably in November at the end of this year. Well, you know, that makes you a genius because that's a very affordable month to get married. I hope so, but it'll be cold because the wedding will be in Pennsylvania and I'm in Florida. Yeah, but honeymoons are cheap in November, except right around Thanksgiving. I mean, you got this thing so well planned. Well, we're we're trying to get there, and we're thinking maybe a Caribbean cruise for a honeymoon, but we're not sure about that yet. All right, so let me say something about that. If you can, after your wedding, you wait just a couple of weeks to go on your honeymoon, and you mm-hmm. go, there's a two-week sweet spot each year right after the Thanksgiving holiday period dies down, up mm-hmm. till about December 15th, 16th, right in there. It's the slowest week of the year for cruises, tours, uh, spots in the Caribbean. It is the bargain period of the entire year. That sounds great. So We'll look into that when the time comes. So were you calling me about honeymoon, or did I just take it in a completely wrong direction? Well, you gave me some good advice. That's not why I'm calling. Okay. uh, I do do appreciate that. Uh, What are you calling about? Well, what I'm calling about is is that I've been here in Central Florida for about 10 or 12 years, and I've been retired for about seven, and I'm a widower now, uh, so... Oh, I'm sorry you lost your wife. And Yeah, that was a, a hard time four years ago, but I have another wonderful person in my life, and uh, I've done a lot of moves in my life, uh, but I was in the military for a very long time, and of course the military takes care of all that sort of stuff when you have to move, as far as finding a mover and paying for it, sure. and things like that, for, you know, for the 28 years I was in. What branch of the service were you? Army. Well, thank you so much for those 28 years of sacrifice for our nation. Well, it's always good to do things for the country where you live and where you love. So um, thank you very much for that, and thank you for your service in the, in the Georgia National Guard. I know that you're in there. I'm actually in the State Guard, but thank you for that. Fifteen years. Uh, you get to retire at 20 or something? No. Uh, <laughs> well, you should look up how a state guard works. We don't even oh. get paid. Oh, okay. It's, you're, it's, you're only volunteer only. Yeah, so we have uh, drill once a month, annual training once a year, missions is called. Uh, duty is on a mission is expected to be 14 days. And so well, it's I'm a, sure a very different missions. kind of setup. 
but they're very important missions, I'm sure. So thank you for that service. Sure. Mostly prior military serve in the State Guard. Well, so, when I got out, come, I in, come old, and uh, join us. <laughs> I think maybe I'm a little too old for it now. Okay. Uh, so anyway, my problem is that uh, my fiancé is in Pennsylvania, in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is a really small town, and we're going to get married there, and then she's going to move down here and live with me in my home in central Florida. And I've been beating my head against the wall trying to figure out a way to move her personal belongings down here. How much stuff like, does she have? It's not much. It's like clothes and shoes and personal effects and some kitchen items and a computer and maybe two pieces of furniture. So it's Okay, like, I got... I got uh, two possibilities for you. One that's okay. been kind of made to order for that kind of situation called mm-hmm. U-Ship. The letter U-Ship.com. Okay. Not Y-O-U, just the letter U. Okay. And what they do is they help people with unusual things like moving small amounts of stuff to very big things. Mm-hmm. Uh, different than a traditional mover. And people bid, essentially, on your business. Okay. And are, are the people that would deal with them, I mean, I, I've been cautioned by a few friends. Oh, about the, the brokers? Industry. Yeah, the, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of shady characters out there with the brokers that will supposedly play something. No, this is like uh, almost like an eBay for moving stuff. So you okay. get to see reviews on who it is you'd be dealing with, and it... It's a more libertarian kind of model and that you're dealing right with the service deliverer. Okay. And so right. I would say that. The other thing is, I know this is going to sound weird, but a lot of times with the things you're talking about, using UPS or FedEx and using a UPS or FedEx ground, either ground service, mm-hmm. may be an affordable way to, to send a lot of the stuff you have that she has. Okay. I, yeah, I'm looking for something, of course, that would be affordable because I'm cheap like you are. But uh, Good job. <laughs> uh, I just haven't had any luck of what I've looked at on the Internet of finding anything that would be... Yeah, you're you know, looking a bit for a needle in a haystack, but that's why that's the market that you ship serves. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you very much for the tips, and I really enjoy your show. And thank you, thank you, and again, for your 28 years of heroic service to our nation. Well, thank you very much, Clark. I think you're a really great guy, and I listen to you every night on your podcast. Well, you are so nice. Hello, Terry. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Hello. Good afternoon. How can I serve you, Terry? Well, I have a question about a direction we need to take. My wife and I are in our early 60s. We own a home we bought two and a half years ago, a 30-year loan. Uh, it's uh, an older home that needs some improvements, and we have enough uh, investments to uh, pay it off or use some of those investments to improve it or just keep our investments at this time. Uh, we were wondering uh, what you would recommend. Well, the mortgage you took out just, you said, two years ago probably carries a fantastic interest rate. Three and a half percent, yes. Yeah, I mean, three and a half percent is so low that even though it's really neat to be mortgage debt-free, I wouldn't want you to be investment poor 
and house rich. You, you have such a low carry on the house at three and a half that I like for you to leave that be and okay. pay as agreed. You think about over time when interest rates get back to more normal levels, even a simple savings account will uh, historically has earned 5% or more. Yes. And you have long-term money uh, locked in at 3.5%. And, you know, you pay off your house with your investments. You can't eat your house. Okay. But your investments, uh, as you... Not that hungry. Right. As you need access to funds, you can take money from your investments and use that money to live on and flex with that money as it's needed. So I think you did the the right thing getting such cheap money for that mortgage. And yeah. I, I think it would be potentially the wrong move to liquidate stuff you have. Now, if you have investments you're tired of, they don't fit in your life anymore, you're worried about the investments you have and you, you want to sell them anyway, that may lead to a different conversation, but not necessarily paying off the mortgage in its entirety because, again, you need access to money as right. things happen in your life. Okay. So, um, I, yeah, I, I hate debt. Do you know that? I despise debt. Yes, I do, too. This is the only debt we have. So that's great. You have no lifestyle debt. The debt is essentially like rent on the place you live. And right. you have it locked in. It's not like you're sitting there at what historically would have been an extremely low rate, like 5% or 6%. You're at 35 Yes. So I would not okay. I would not liquidate investments to ditch a mortgage. Wouldn't do that. Hey everyone, I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on Trump. Politicians are all talk, no action. I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration. So listen to this. Listen to this. That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One. Subscribe now at iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you keeping more of what you make. Clark.com is our website, and you want information? You want advice? You want to ask a question? Do you know you can get free off-the-air advice nine hours a weekday? Free. That's right, free. Who does that? I don't know why we do it. Well, I do know why we do it, because it's so important to me that we be there to serve you, and that when you have a question, when you need empowerment with knowledge, I want you to get it. So at Clark.com, scroll down the home screen, and you will see information about how to get free off-the-air advice from a member of Team Clark. It's very important to me that every person's question get answered. And that's why we do the free off-the-air advice. For on-the-air, Clark.com slash ask is where you go. There's a story I read in the New York Times and then forgot about, and then the story took off 
became a big TV kind of thing. You never know when something becomes a big buzz kind of talked about story. It was about a couple that was a pretty affluent couple. He works in international business. She's a lawyer. And this couple did a wedding so affordably that they became a story. Because the average cost of a wedding these days is around thirty grand. People can spend a lot more or a great deal less. And they decided they weren't going to spend a huge amount of money on their wedding. And as Emily planned her wedding, the whole thing, including the rings, her dress, the parties, everything, they spent $4,600. So you compare that to the average wedding, that's like one-seventh the cost of the average wedding. And there's something, my sister is a graphic designer and is really horrified by the wedding invitations people send out now by Evite. I'm not horrified by that at all. You can do a nice design, send it electronically, let somebody respond back. I mean, the hardest thing with a traditional wedding invitation that you spend so much money on is nobody RSVPs. They even send it pre-addressed with a stamp and people can't seem to drop them in the mail. But you send an invite and people say, oh, let's look at our calendar. Can we do that? No, we can't. Oh, we don't like them. No, we're not going to go. Yeah, we got to move our schedule because we want to be there. Whatever. And they just click yes or no or maybe, bam, it's over. And it's free. Now, I wear a wedding band from Walmart. So my wedding band was 20-something dollars. They beat me. They went to Walmart, and his ring was less than 10. I'm the big spender. I spent three times what they did on mine. It's terrible. Instead of buying a traditional wedding dress, she bought a very affordable dress. They put on a beautiful wedding reception. And I have an idea for fathers of the bride, if it's more traditional situation in your family, and you are going to pay for your daughter's wedding, have a budget that you agree to with your daughter and her husband-to-be and offer this. Say, okay, here's X number of dollars for your wedding. Whatever you don't spend, you can use for a down payment on your first home or whatever it is. And let the bride decide how important it is that everything be really, really fancy or how much higher a priority is it to spend a lot less and have the money towards buying the family home. Just a thought. Murdoch is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Clark? Good, thanks. How can I be of service to you? 
Well, recently, back I think in January, my uh, my car payment was went past thirty days past due. Uh, it was some mistakes and errors on our part, and it was reported to the credit union. Knocked my score about sixty points, I believe. And, if it uh, if it took you down sixty points, you had a really high score before that late pay. I mean, it wasn't. It's not like it was that high. I mean, it was in the six hundreds, the high. Oh, in the six hundreds. Yeah. Okay, I'm surprised that one thirty day late would bring you down that much. Yeah. Well, we've been working on it for the last couple of years. We we built a new home last year. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um. But anyway, so I mean, I'm looking into. Obviously, we we called it up right away, and uh, I mean, we have it completely called up. So I called the uh, I called the company and asked them, "What can I do to petition you to take this off my?" my credit score, any any good faith act I can make, or whatever it is, long and short of it was they provided me with a mailing address and said I could write in a letter requesting it. And I was just wondering about some of the parameters that would be that a company like that would consider uh, reasonable reasons to take that off. Well, it's completely up to their discretion. The credit bureaus would say no lender should ever do should ever erase a negative mark on your credit when it's a correct negative mark. But I'll tell you, it does happen. And if you write a letter explaining, if you've got a good reason why it happened, you've had a good payment history otherwise, then you essentially apologize and throw yourself at their mercy. Okay. Because if you if if you reach somebody on a human level who actually reads your letter, they can say, all right, we'll 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 do it this time. But sure. it's up to them. Now, as far as the score, if you make every payment you owe to anybody on time, month after month, the impact of that will lessen steadily and gradually and will completely go away in the next 36 months. But it will heavily heal in the next 15 months. In the next 15 months will make yeah. a big difference. You know, I mean, I... well. Hopefully they'll come up, and I hear you talk about it a lot of times. Hopefully credit scores and the way that they go about calculating that will uh, will get better over time. I mean, I understand there's a lot of people that the credit companies have to keep up with, but on a personal basis, if something like this does happen, it was absolutely I – mean, was a lot. I, it wasn't a good reason it should have happened. I mean, things happen, you know. We got yeah. four kids. We had a little one that was sick. I was working seven days a week, and we wow. just come back in. I mean, just a lot of things, and – and it just, it shouldn't have happened, but it does happen, but... How's your kid now? Oh, he's great. I mean, actually, he's, uh, he's seven months now, but he's been, since since birth, I think, dealing with ear infections, but, you know, and there's three... Which means you've been, you've been working seven days a week and not getting much sleep. Yeah, no, not at all. But uh, but we're getting there. This is the fourth one, so we kind of, we understand how that goes. And, and my wife usually handles all this, honestly, not to, it's not her fault but there was a lot going on i wasn't there to pick up any of the slack and all right can i make a suggestion with something like a car payment sure if you set up with your bank or credit union automatic bill pay online bill pay Mm -hmm. it'll just go like clockwork don't allow the lender to draft your account instead you set up bill pay and things that are the same amount every month just have them automatically be paid that's uh that's you know a lot of that we do, and honestly, me and my wife had this, you know, we've had a conversation where we're going to do more of this together because I honestly not overly involved in the bill pay, and I work 
a ton, and uh, she usually handles on. She's been very, very good at it. Yeah, but she's got four kids. Yeah. (laughs) Four kids. So dive in on this and set up the automatic bill pay because you're right. Life happens, and the credit reporting agencies, they don't care that life happens. So if you can set in place automatically paying them, you can have peace of mind that they will get paid on time. And congratulations on your kids, all your kids. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you. You're a business owner. I sure am. Um, I started my business in 2008, and I've been listening to you for the last five years and trying to f- uh, follow your advice as much as I can. And so I had a question for you. Well, first, you're a brilliant person. Do you know why? Why? You opened your business in 08. You know, so often people who open up a business in the teeth of a recession end up just knocking it out of the park. It's one of the best times to open a business is when the economy is in the toilet. Well, and that seems to be the case because I just keep growing and growing every year. And um, I definitely have a unique skill, but it's it's doing great here in in Kentucky where we're from. So Wonderful. Uh, uh, Well, my question was... um, I, you know, I have, me and my partner have a couple of um, rental properties, and then also I, I'm pretty all about the future, so I make sure I fully fund my Roth IRA, and last two years I've had a SEP um, as well. Now, I've just... Wait, wait, share with your fellow listener how old you are that you got your life so together. Uh, well, I just turned 29 not too long ago, so. Yeah, so you started this business when you were 22 or 23. Correct. My, I started it while I was still in college, um, and then just kind of kept growing it from there. So well, it took about four years to really build it, you know, where it was really strong, and I could just focus fully on that. Um, and well, now it's just I am inspired by what you've said. Oh well, thank you. You, you know, I just think so much of you. So that means a lot coming from you. Well, thank you for that. So you've been doing the SEP, which is great for people who aren't aware. Simplified Employee Pension, you can put in from $0 in a year to a massive amount in a year. The I think the cap now is somewhere around 54000 maybe, somewhere up there. It's a lot. And Correct. so you can do anywhere pretty much in that range. The more profitable you become, the greater amount that can go into the SEP up to the cap. So if you're doing the Roth and you're doing a SEP, and you have your real estate investments, too, you're doing all the right things. Okay, well, great. Well, I, I there's a new product that I've not heard you talk about, um, and it's just one of your favorite companies, and I'm not sure if it's carried by any others or not, but um, it was called a Solo 401k Roth? Yes, a Solo 401k is an alternative that is, it's a little, it's not as easy to set up as a SEP, but pretty simple, and they used to have very high fees, and now they don't anymore. Because you can go to people like Schwab or Vanguard or Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, any of the really good companies will offer a solo or self-employed 401k. But you must be a one-person company. And that would be exactly what I am. So as um, a one-person company, yes, you're right. Doing a self-employed or solo 401k would be a superior choice for you at 29 versus doing the SEP, 
unless your business starts bringing in so much profit, you need a wheelbarrow to take the money to the <laughs> credit union to deposit. You get to the point where you're really making big money, you'll want to do the SEP because you'll want the current tax deduction on the net profits or proceeds of your business. But otherwise, you are on the money that doing the solo or self-employed Roth 401k would be a better choice than the SEP and continued success to you, 29 years old. Jeffrey joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You're thinking of doing something for your dad. Tell me about it. My dad told me a couple weeks ago that it would be beneficial for me to put a life insurance policy out on him, a term life at 15 years that he didn't expect that he would be uh, living that long. Oh, Oh, why is he pessimistic about his lifespan? I guess you got to know him. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he, uh, he's got bad knees. He's not. He's of the type that doesn't share any of the health concerns. And there's been some thoughts that there may be something going on with him that he's not sharing. Oh. Well, you know, if that's true, he's going to have trouble qualifying anyway because they'll medical exam him. For his okay. insurance. Now, there okay. there is a... How old's your dad? 66. 66. Yeah, they'll definitely put him through a medical exam. And I should tell you that a term policy is not cheap at that age of issue. Okay. But uh, uh, if he does medically underwrite and you're surprised by good health, then they issue that policy and... At least it's some financial peace of mind for him. Now, you should own the policy yes, on your dad. Okay. Because with, uh, with him being the one who the insurance is on, but you being the owner, it means that the proceeds, if your dad unfortunately did die during the period of policy ownership, the money would flow to you tax-free. Okay. Okay. Well, that would be beneficial. And I'm not positive that he's got something going on, but um, he I think he had saw something on TV for the pennies a day. Oh, no. Don't don't um, buy any of those. Yeah. Don't buy those. I, I, All right. So there are a number of life insurance shopping services mm-hmm. that you can go get quotes from. I've got a list of them on Clark.com, and you can put yeah. in his you know, his date of birth and all that, and um, that you want a 15-year level term. You may find that at 66, you're going to be looking more at a 10-year level term to make the premiums affordable. Okay. But anyway, you can look at both 10 and 15-year and get a survey of the market. And at his age, normally I'd tell somebody that you want an insurer rated A double plus, a plus okay. plus by AM Best. In a case of his age, I would go down in the quality of the insurer. The policy period is not going to be ultra long. And I would go down as low as maybe um, an A rated company. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. And, and, then, I'll, I'll... and then if there is something lurking really wrong with him, you'll know when he fails the physical. 
Yeah, well, well, I hope that doesn't happen. But Absolutely. So, see, it's nothing but good news if the green light comes for issuing the policy. It'll mean he's in better health than you suspect, and you'll have been able to get the policy. Uh, that sounds good. All right. Well, best to you. And again, I hope that there is nothing that's a problem with your dad's health. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.